0: If you don't die a hero, you will live long enough to become the villain. In the last 20 years, one of the most entertaining and influential figures in America, Bill Maher, has offered his analysis in American domestic and foreign policies. Known for never shying away from controversy and challenging his guests, Bill Maher relishes in the art of public discourse from the political left and right. But over the years, Bill Maher's input has taken a conspiratorial route, often striking at the trans community. And medical science. A man that once championed critical thinking and reason has now found himself immersed in talking points that promote vaccine hesitancy and doubts about antidepressants. I am your social chemist Nelson and on today's episode we look at Bill Maher's logical fallacy of medical science. It's been a while since I've covered anti-vaccine sentiment I believe the last episode that was dedicated to the disinformation of vaccines was the Peter McCullough episode I did during the beginning of the year. Now, I wasn't expecting to do an episode since my semester started, but a couple of days ago I was scrolling through my Instagram and found myself watching a clip from Bill Maher's new podcast where he talks to NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers, and I was puzzled by the exchange of dialogue that I was listening to because much of it involved the spread of vaccine misinformation, And what is saddening is that this content is being spread by a public figure I once considered a role model of intellectualism. For those who are unaware of who Bill Maher is, he's a popular political commentator and host of the HBO show Real Time with Bill Maher. And for the last 20 years, Bill Maher has become influential in his commentary, often engaging in topics that one can consider controversial. For example, calling out liberals who criticize Christianity and their treatment of the LGBTQ community, but label anyone who critiques Islam as Islamophobic, an analysis that I share with Bill Maher. In 2008, he released a comedy documentary poking fun at organized religion while providing insight into the dangers of theological systems. It was this documentary which is how I was introduced to Bill Maher, and since then, for the last 10 years, I've considered Mr. Maher influential in my political evolution going as far as to say that he was the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, to offer my input and educate people in information analysis. However, over the years, Bill Maher has gone into a noticeable decline in terms of his commentary. For instance, arguing that universities are a scam, and that free college shouldn't be a thing, and that the political left and the political right are equally extreme, a topic I hope to cover very soon, and that science is never settled, therefore vaccines have the potential to become deadly or ineffective. Now in regards to Aaron Rodgers, he's an NFL football player and recently gained media traction for his reluctance to getting vaccinated. Since then, he's been a fan favorite among conservatives and anti-vaxxers. But that's really as far as I want to go with him since this episode is about Bill Maher's take on vaccines and medical science. So for today's episode, we're going to be listening to certain segments of the interview with Aaron Rodgers and assess some of the logical fallacies that Bill Maher uses to present his viewpoints about science, medicine, and vaccines. In this first clip, Bill Maher describes his understanding of science and the scientific method. While listening, pay close attention to how he refers to it condescendingly because it's a textbook tactic from a popular conservative commentator.
1: And there's plenty of the science. These people are like, as if there is such a thing as the science. That pisses me off right away. Science is never changing. Of course, especially medical science. What they don't know is they just found out two weeks ago they were prescribing what is one of those antidepressants uh, because it, or maybe all of them, because they did something with serotonin. Mm -hmm. And they just found out (laughs) the depression had nothing to do with the serotonin. So something they were giving people forever was completely diagnosed and i'm not saying they did it on purpose although there is a lot of corruption in medicine yeah um but they just got it wrong and they're always getting shit wrong again yeah. not because i'm not saying it's a giant plot i'm just saying we're at the infancy of understanding how the body works if we weren't you could go to a doctor tomorrow and say Doc, I'm not feeling good. Need for you. Oh yeah, well you have cancer here, but we know exactly what caused it, we know, and we know exactly how to fix it. We're not there. Mm-hmm. We're not close. Yeah, so just fucking admit when you're wrong.
0: In the segment you just heard, Bill Maher illustrates what many could consider ignorant commentary. Let's first start with his claim that the scientific understanding of the human body is in its infancy. Now look, I am not a doctor, nor am I going to school for biology or medicine, so I can't talk about the specific diseases and medicines that they research. However, I am a student of behavioral science, so let's apply Billmar's logic of not being able to cure a disorder, therefore implying that the specific area of expertise is in its infancy. As a listener, I'm going to assume you've heard of the mental disorder known as paranoid schizophrenia. If you haven't, what you need to know is that it's a mental disorder that causes an individual to develop auditory and visual hallucinations, and sometimes, as the name implies, people can become extremely distrustful of their, of their friends, family, and the clinical staff that are treating them. Now, before schizophrenia was understood in the way that it is now, it was believed that mental disorders like schizophrenia were caused because of demonic possessions and religious punishments. As science progressed into the 1930s, Frontal lobotomies were performed to treat schizophrenia, a form of psychosurgery that involved the removal of brain tissue from different regions of the brain. And if I remember my psychology textbooks accurately, many of the people that went through this procedure ended up coming out worse. For this reason, by 1970s, frontal lobotomies were banned from the US because it was literally considered a human rights violation. Entering the 21st century, we now know that antipsychotic medications are effective when combined with talk therapy and a strong family support system. We also know that schizophrenia is not caused because of evil spirits, but are caused by genetical factors, which is why people with schizophrenia who have children have been reported to pass it on to their children. So why am I mentioning all this? Because currently schizophrenia doesn't have a cure, but that doesn't mean that the understanding of schizophrenia is in its infancy or that it's anywhere near it. Science is a self-correcting process, always heading towards progress, and in the same way that psychology and neurology has better understood the brain since the Middle Ages, the same is true for physical diseases like cancer and seizures, so no, Bill, medical science is not in its infancy. Now, a couple of weeks ago, news outlets ran headlines titled, Study Says Depression Is Not Caused by Chemical Imbalance, Raising Questions About Antidepressants. And since then, many people, including Bill Maher, have been citing the study to demonstrate that big pharma has been using ineffective treatment at the cost of individuals suffering from mental disorders. The specific study that they cite is titled The Serotonin Theory of Depression, a Systemic Umbrella Review of the Evidence by Joanna Moncrief and her colleagues. And in layman terms, this is a review paper of multiple auto-review studies and meta-analysis, aka an umbrella review. Now, the premise of this study is that the singular explanation of a chemical imbalance causing depression was found to not have any association. Since then, vaccine skeptics, anti-vaxxers, anti-pharma, and anti-psychiatry have used this single study to assert that antidepressants are ineffective, and that this study has revolutionized the way that mental health experts and psychiatrists look at major depressive disorder. Now, If you're a person who's been exposed to some degree in the profession of mental health, you're going to notice that the paper mentions that psychiatry only recognizes one explanation for depression, which according to the author of this paper, is the serotonin hypothesis. The problem with this claim is that we know that that isn't true and we've known this since the 60s. Ask any mental health worker what causes depression and chances are they'll explain the biopsychosocial model of depression. Simply put, Depression can be caused by genetic factors, environmental factors, socioeconomic, and social status. There is no single explanation for the cause of depression and the fact that this paper claims that is actually surprising. What's more important is that the claim that this paper actually proves that antidepressants don't work is absolutely false. In the last sentence in the abstract section, the author writes the following, Some evidence was consistent with the possibility that long-term antidepressant use reduces serotonin concentration. And the thing about antidepressants is that while it is not entirely understood among psychiatrists how antidepressants and serotonin work in the reduction of depression, what is certain is that the academic researchers are investigating this very topic, and above all, that people who take their medications for major depressive disorders are better off than those who don't, for the most part. I should also mention that depression is a complex issue that involves different forms of therapy and that treatment is not a one-shoot-fits-all. So how come after about three weeks of this article being published, Bill Maher continues to push this inaccurate claim? Is it because he's too lazy to actually read the paper? I mean, come on, Mr. Maher. You have a whole research team with you. Clearly, someone should have told you by now about what the paper actually says. By the way, did you hear when Aaron Rodgers was like, science is always changing? I want to address this claim because I've seen anti-vaxxers use this same argument, and it's so asinine. Because first of all, science is not one thing. It's a variety of disciplines like chemistry, physics, and biology. And second, the idea that science is constantly changing every week is a false premise. If science was always changing, then we wouldn't have absolute facts for example. Let's say I invited you to sleep over, and suddenly my carbon monoxide detector started to trigger. You didn't wake me up and tell me, Nelson, we gotta get out of here. And I reply with, relax. The science is always changing. Would you not be like, Nelson, what the fuck is wrong with you? So when people say the science is always changing, or that science is never settled, what they're actually saying is that the science is only settled when it agrees with whatever conspiratorial narrative I believe at the moment. And I mean, the statement is just flawed in nature. What if hypothetically vaccines were dangerous? Do you think anti-vaxxers would consider, well, the science is always changing, so it might be safer later on? Absolutely not. Now, in the beginning of the segment, Bill Maher condescendingly refers to the public health policies implemented during COVID-19 as the science. And I find this interesting because this wording of science has been popularized by conservative megastar Ben Shapiro. In his book, The Authoritarian Moment, How the Left weaponize America's Institutions Against Dissent, in chapter 4, he distinguishes science as the development of medicine and surprisingly, acknowledges vaccines in this definition. I say surprisingly, since a good portion of his audience are anti-vaxxers. On the other hand, the science is a pseudoscientific discipline infested with left-wing ideology, and one of the examples that he gives is the approval protests gathering from public health officials after the death of George Floyd. Now, as a liberal who actually participated in one of these Black Lives Matter protests, I'm going to say that Ben Shapiro has a point. I think if you're going to tell a group of gatherers that they can't meet because of COVID concerns, you got to be consistent regardless of political affiliation. Though Black Lives Matter protests did bring hand sanitizers, face masks, and were more cautious about public safety, it still didn't look good for us. Where my disagreement with Ben Shapiro starts is when he uses this narrative to then deny that systemic racism is real or that any social issue that affects minorities is non-existent. And while Ben Shapiro only uses the science to attack public health experts, Bill Maher includes health experts and medical professionals in his description. In this next segment of the podcast, Bill Maher and Aaron Rodgers discuss about the corruptions of pharmaceutical companies, and while there is truth to their claims... The reasoning behind not getting vaccinated becomes a stretch with logical fallacies. A, a recapitulation of what we've seen with COVID
1: recently. It's like, no, the government stepped in, the powers that be, the people who think they have the civilians, and said, no, Ricky Williams, you can't do the thing that works for you, that you know works for you. You have to do the pharmaceutical version of it. And Ricky was like, I don't want to do the pharmaceutical version. It doesn't work as good and it's worse for me. This is like when they people were dying from Viox, which was distributed super widely, and then what? Recalled. Talking about Viox? Yeah. And then they got sued, and they paid out five billion, but they made twelve billion. Viox relieves the pain of arthritis by
0: killing you. So in this clip you just heard, Bill Maher and Aaron Rodgers talk about the prescription medication known as Viox. Now, if you're unaware of what Viox is, don't worry, I got you. Vioxx was an anti-inflammatory medication that was developed to be an alternative to other pain medications like aspirin and ibuprofen, and it was produced to avoid the side effects of gastrointestinal bleeding or ulcers if you misuse these pills, like a leave. Unfortunately for me personally, I learned this the hard way when I used anti-inflammatory longer than I should have. Anyways, Vioxx was mainly aimed to treat uh, rheumatoid arthritis. However, as time progressed, there were signs that people on Vioxx were reporting higher rates of heart attacks and stroke. To make matters worse, it was reported by Reuters that pharmaceutical companies that produce Vioxx were aware of the high rates of cardiovascular problems, but made a decision to suppress such information to boost their profits. Fortunately, after immense pressure and research, Vioxx was removed from the market. According to NPR in June 2006, a research paper published by the Lancet states that 88,000 people had heart attacks and that 38,000 people had died while on Vioxx. In 2012, a Boston federal judge sentenced a pharmaceutical company to pay a $321 million criminal fine for improperly marketing Vioxx as a painkiller. In the end, the pharmaceutical company and the FDA came under heavy criticism for how they handled this entire situation, and it is for this reason, and many others, that Americans often have a distrust of the pharmaceutical industry. And it's a talking point that anti-vaxxers and vaccine skeptics use to promote vaccine hesitancy. But there is a logical fallacy at play, and I'm going to show you what I mean. A couple of years ago, I used to work for a company called Panera Bread. I was a dishwasher and a sandwich maker for the first three years and a manager for the last two during my time there, a position I absolutely hated. This isn't important to the episode, I just wanted you to know that. Anyways, from time to time, we would have to recall certain ingredients because of a possible contamination or salmonella outbreak. Now if a person with a conspiratorial mindset learned about this, they would assume that because one ingredient is bad, that everything in the menu is dangerous. Then they would refer to Panera Bread as Big Panera or Big Sandwich and promote disinformation about what goes on behind the sandwich line. Now that's what a conspiracy theorist would have done. For 76-year-old Martha, she would come in regardless to order her daily tuna sandwich with an extra scoop of tuna because Martha wouldn't generalize a food item and assume that everything was going to give her food poisoning. By the way, I hope you're doing well, Marta. So why am I using this example? Because often anti-vaxxers and medical science skeptics are inconsistent with their logic. They will generalize prescription pills to be dangerous when it comes to vaccines, but when it comes to other medications, suddenly, like Marta and her tuna sandwich with double tuna, they can discriminate between products. Back in January, I covered Dr. Peter McCullough, and in that episode, link in the show notes below if you're interested, he went onto the Joe Rogan podcast to promote ivermectin. And you want to take a guess what pharmaceutical company produces ivermectin? Take your time. Pause this episode and Google it if you want to. So either you actually paused this episode or are actually waiting for me to tell you. The answer is Merck and Ivermectin is the same pharmaceutical product that has been promoted by Joe Rogan, Bill Maher, Aaron Rodgers, Riza Islam, and the list goes on. As a listener, let me ask you another question. Who produced Vioxx? I think you know where I'm going with this. If not, it was Merck. The same pharmaceutical company that produces Ivermectin, which by the way, if you recall, is not meant to treat COVID-19, but diarrhea. And yet, Bill Maher and Aaron Rodgers talk about the pharmaceutical companies in such broad terms that they will fail to realize their biases and contradictions. But how can someone as smart as Bill Maher fall for such misinformation and spread it with so much ease? Back in my fourth episode of this podcast, the transactional relationship between conspiracy theory producer and consumer, an episode where I sound like an 84-year-old man, if you do decide to listen to that episode, speed it up to 1.25 because it sounds better. Anyways... I spoke about the herd behavior, which states that an individual who acts according to the actions of others rather than using their own information to dictate their own actions. In the case of Bill Maher, he has surrounded himself with people who have shouted vaccines are dangerous and big pharma so many times that these talking points are no longer opinions. And since everyone in his inner circle is saying it, he does need to do research because it must be true if everyone is saying it. In his 2008 documentary, Religulous, Bill Maher concludes this film by stating that faith is the suspension of critical thinking, and while I agree with this, I would also add that conforming and laziness results in the same diagnosis. What is saddening is that Bill Maher was once considered an intellectual juggernaut who fought for scientific innovation and critical thinking, but has now become a shadow of himself, fighting wokeism and dancing in the conspiracy of misinformation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're listening on Spotify, click on that follow button for me. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, click on that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. By doing so, you up-expose this podcast to people who might be interested in conspiracy theories within politics. If you're listening on any other platform, make sure to follow for more analysis on a conspiratorial mindset. You can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at the Social Chemist. If possible, share this podcast with your friends to have some interesting discussions about today's episode. For sources, you can find all references on the show notes below. So with that being said, take care and question everything with logic.